in our second week of our series, Kingdom Culture. And uh, we, uh, we're, we're looking at the book of Matthew chapter uh, 5. Matthew chapter 5. And it's the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what Jesus is sharing with his, with his followers, what we have discovered last week is that there, there's a tension that happens because though uh, we live here, Jesus said, as a believer, we're not of this kingdom, okay? And so there's this tension because, because culture, society tells me to live a certain way, and the kingdom of God requires me to live a certain way. And so there's this tension that takes place, and what we've discovered in Matthew chapter 5 is what Jesus shares with us, it creates a lot of tension. A lot of tension as a believer who lives here uh, on earth. And so we're, we're, we've been looking at that last week. And so we're in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 through 6 for today. And it says this, I'm going to read it. It's going to be on the screen. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed, that word in the, in the Greek is makarios, and that means happy, but it doesn't mean happy based off of what is happening, but it means happy because of a promise that's laid before us. Last week I said it has less to do with possess, possession in position and more about promise. And so Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so those are the two that we looked at last week. Here are the two that we're going to look at this week. Verse 5 and six. Six, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Y'all feel that tension already? <laughs> blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray one more time, and then we'll jump into the message. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather, whether it's in person or online. Lord, we thank you that you're building your church. God, it's such a great honor and opportunity to be part of what you're doing here, God. And so I pray within the next uh, moments together, God, that you would speak through me. God, we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better God, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, let me hear you say amen. Amen, amen. So uh, I have three kids. I have an 11-year-old. I have an 8-year-old. And then I have a 4-year-old. Okay, so uh, my 11-year-old, when he popped out, like, he was chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, was, he was that firstborn baby. Any firstborns in here? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, the, we're, we're kind of the best. We're not going to brag. Uh, but, but my firstborn, man, like, he was just super chill, super relaxed. And my wife and I are like, yo, this is easy. So then we have my little girl. And don't tell anyone, but she's my favorite. Uh, but I, I, love, I love my little girl, but she's feisty. She, she's feisty. Like, don't let her quietness at church fool you. When she's at home, man, she, she tries to reign. She tries to be the alpha, right? And, but I love her. For the most part, she's very chill, though. You just don't want to push her buttons, okay? So my firstborn and my secondborn, we're like, we're done. No more kids. But it's too easy. 
to have kids. And uh, that's <laughs> all right. You're allowed to laugh in church. It's cool. It's, it's too easy. And so popped out my third son or my third kid. And, uh, and whoo, Jesus, pray for me. Because my third born, he loves to fight. Y'all think I'm joking. Like he just, like he just loved being physical. Like people that have boys, they, they told me about like this. I didn't believe him. But my youngest, he's crazy. <laughs> he's amazing. I love him. But he's, he's a fighter. He loves fighting, you know, and so, so him and I, like, we're always wrestling, and, and because I'm a good dad, I pretend that he can beat me up, and so, like, I let him toss me around, and what's funny is he thinks it's for real, you know, and so I'll tell you this, because the other day, uh, I was just standing there, right, and he comes walking up all tough, doesn't even tell me, pop, he swings right at my private area. And I'm like, I drop, y'all. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm down for the count. I'm in pain. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, I'm like, I'm trying to, to, to just catch my composure. And then all of a sudden, he's like, punching you is not enough. He's going to finish it. So he comes and he begins to stomp on me. And so, like, I'm in pain, curled up, getting beat up. And I'm like, I, I, I yell for my wife. I'm like, babe. Come take Sammy. I'm about to destroy him. <laughs> like, it's bad. And so here I am, right? Like, she, so she takes him away. And, and, and she's like, baby, calm down. Calm, my wife's telling me, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. He's smaller than you. Because, like, man, y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? Like, and, and so like, I'm just like, I'm, a, I'm in pain. And my son, my youngest, the one that stomped me, he's standing there smiling, you know, because he has this crazy notion that he can beat me up. He has this crazy idea that, that, that he is stronger than me. And he has no idea that if I wanted to, I could Thanos his butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will snap and destroy you. But I don't. You know why? Because I got self-control. So I got strength, but it's under control. Now, here's why I bring this up. Because in, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And right off the bat, there's tension in that sentence because we understand we've lived here on earth for long enough that we understand the meek do not inherit the earth. We, we know that, that it's, it's the powerful. It's those that are willing to step over someone. It's those that are willing to flex their muscle. They're the ones that inherit the earth. Of what we see. And so when Jesus is like, blessed are the meek, we're like, nope. Because in our mind, meek is weak. In fact, I asked my wife, I said, baby, what does it mean to be meek? And she said, to be shy. 
And, and I think if we're honest, like we have this, this, this understanding that meekness is weakness. But can I propose to you this morning that meekness is not weakness? Meekness is not weakness. In fact, in the Greek, the word meek in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, it's the word praus. And that word praus, uh, it was a military, military term. And, and so what would happen is this Greek army, they would go to the mountaintops and they would find these, these wild horses. And they would bring them back to camp and, and, and they, would, they, would try to, um, would, they would try to break him. They would try to train him. And so for some of the, the wild horses, they just couldn't be broken. And so they, they set them free. Some of the horses, they broke so much that they were only good for, like, for carrying loads. But there was a select few of wild horses that, that went through this rigorous requirement in training that would eventually become war horses. And when they would become war horses, they would be, they would be termed prows. They would be termed meek. And, and the reason why is because these horses, these war horses, they were still powerful. They were still strong. But here's the, here, here's the difference. They knew, how to, they knew how to surrender their power and their strength to someone who was in control over them. And so they, they would be able to, these horses, they, they would still be strong and they would still be powerful. And in the middle of battle, when chaos was happening around them, they wouldn't run away, they wouldn't flee, but in fact, they would just, they would stay there and they would wait and listen until they were commanded to do something else. See, that word pros, meek, it literally means strength under control. And so, so I want to propose to you this morning, meekness is not weakness. We, meekness, excuse me, meekness is strength under control. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30, Jesus, he, uh, he actually tells people, he's like, hey, I am meek. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, he says, take my yoke upon you. He said, for I am meek. We got the verse. No, we ain't got the verse. That's okay. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart. So Jesus, he, he, he's like, he, he, he's, I, he said, I am meek. Now listen, y'all. If there was anybody who was not weak as Jesus... If there was, like Jesus, he, he took on a beating of a lifetime. He was willing to die for people that hated him. There was nothing about Jesus that was weak. And yet Jesus says, I am meek and lowly in heart. In fact, Jesus also modeled this in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, I'll set it up and then we'll read it. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus um, Judas just betrayed Jesus. He just gave Jesus a kiss on the cheek. The soldiers are like, that's the guy. So they arrest Jesus. And as they arrest Jesus, y'all remember Peter? Peter the powerful? He's like, oh, this is not happening. And he takes a sword and he slices a dude's ear off. And here's what Jesus says in verse 52. Uh, he says, put away your sword. 
those who use the sword will die by the sword. He said, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I do, how would the scripture be fulfilled that describes what must happen now? So within these three verses, we see a picture, a depiction of what meek is. First off, we see what meek isn't. And it comes in the form of Peter. Peter, he sees his friend, his, his, his leader being arrested. And Peter does what a lot of us do. Like, we're like, yo, that's not happening. <laughs> My power. And he starts going crazy on the poor dude's ear. And Peter's like, this will not. And so Peter, what, in this moment, what he's doing, he's flexing. His power. He's like, I, I want you to know that I'm not going down without a fight. And then what Jesus says to Peter, he's like, no, Peter, put, put the sword away. He, because Jesus said, Peter, don't you realize, and what Jesus displays in verse 53 is literally the definition of me. He says, Peter, don't you understand that if I wanted to, I could have a thousand angels here instantly to save us. But if I did that, Peter goes, or excuse me, Jesus goes on to say, if I did this, my purpose could not be fulfilled. And what we see in this moment is Jesus elevating purpose over power. He's elevating purpose over power. And so my question for you this morning, are you more concerned with purpose or your desire to flex your power? Are you more concerned with the purpose that God has placed inside of you? Are you more concerned with the purpose that God has for your life? Or are you more concerned with people understanding how much power you have? Because there's a difference. And so, so we're, called, we're, called to be, we're, we're called to be meek. And, and uh, Jesus, when he's, when he's explaining this to, to, to Peter, when he's like, Peter, put, put, your, put your sword away. He says this. He says, he says, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So when I live flexing my power... Guess what? I'm going to die with people flexing their power over me. If I, and so, so basically, if I'm wanting to inherit the earth, inheriting what God has for me here on earth, but also eternally, because I think there's an eternal gift as well. But if I want to learn to inherit what God has for me, I got to learn to seethe my sword rather than swing my sword. And so, friends, my heart for you this morning is that, that we would learn to be meek. And I understand it's hard because when we're meek, guess what? There's a good chance someone's going to try to take advantage of you. There's a good chance that someone's trying. When, when, when we take on the posture of being meek, there's a great chance 
that someone will, will, will mistake it for weakness. In fact, I find myself in a, in a place recently where I just want to flex my powers so bad. <laughs> and I'm studying this. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> But those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And so Jesus said, verse 5 of Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. And then he goes on to say uh, in, in verse 6, and this is the last one and then we'll be done. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I love cooking. Do we have any people that love cooking in this place? Yes, I love, I love to cook. And do you know there's nothing better than cooking for someone that loves to eat? You know what I'm saying? And so my wife, one, one reason why I fell in love with my wife, she has many great traits. Perhaps the greatest one that I love the most is my girl can eat. Like, like she puts that, y'all, she is not the water and salad girl. If that's you, hey, we bless you. We love you. You're welcome here. But my wife is not that type of person. She's like, give me the fries, the burger, a side salad to make you happy. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, like she can put it down. In fact, probably the, the, biggest, the biggest strain in our marriage is that she never leaves any leftovers when she eats. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm like, yo, babe, I'm your husband. Like, let me finish my food, your food. And she's like, too bad. It's in here already. Anyways, that's not part of my story. So, so, so my, my wife loves to eat. My wife loves, okay? And so I, I love cooking for her because whenever I cook a great meal for her, she, like you, you can hear her say, and she just, and it just, it makes me feel so good. For those of you that cook, you know there is nothing better than someone just chomping on your food, making like, mmm, mmm, right? You're like, you get excited. And so she's eating, and I love, I love cooking for, well, a while back, we had an incident where I was like, man, I just want to love my wife. I'm going to cook her something amazing. So I'm making ribs and potato salad and uh, some cornbread. Y'all don't know. And, uh, and I'm just like, I, say, I spent four years in Texas. And so, so we're, just, we're just eating. And like, I'm making this meal. And, and she comes home from work. And I'm like, baby, you smell that? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I made something for us. And she's like, oh, cool. I'm like, I'm like, it's all on the table. And I don't even know where my kids are, actually. As I'm telling this, I'm like, I don't even know where my kids are in this story. <laughs> sure, they're somewhere, right? Like, they're always somewhere. I don't know where. Um, and so, 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 so it's all on the table, right? And so she sits down. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, just, I'm ready. I'm like, right? Like, waiting for her to start, like, just, mm, it's so good, baby. And uh, she starts moving stuff side to side, not eating at all. And I'm like, baby, uh, you're not feeling good? She's like, no, I feel good. Um, why, why aren't you eating? And she said this. She said, uh, she said, well, babe, don't be mad. She said, my work catered some lunch today. And I had a big lunch. And so I'm full. And I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm like, what you, like you're full? She's like, yeah, baby. Like I'm not, I'm not really that hungry. 
And you chefs, you can relate to this, where all of a sudden you're like, pew! Like I was like, huh, what? You don't like to eat? Like I was getting all insecure, you know? And, uh, and so, like, we actually, because of this moment, and I'm getting somewhere, I promise, some of y'all are like, what are you talking about, John? Uh, what, 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 we, we, came, we came to this thing where, where we started to say, like, hey, babe, if you are going to eat lunch at work, text me, let me know, so I'm not spending hours in the kitchen slaving over something to eat just for you that you don't even like. Come on, some of y'all need to take notes. <laughs> like... And so, so like we came to this agreement, but here's why I'm telling you this. There is something about feeding someone something when they're wanting and willing to eat. But my God, there is something about feeding someone, cooking something for someone when they're already full. There is nothing great, like in my eyes when it comes to cooking, there is nothing worse than cooking for someone who is already full. And I was thinking about what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 where he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And I began thinking, I wonder if, or I wonder how many of us, we fill ourselves up with the wrong things that we are so full that we can't engage in the right things. See, for some of us, it's easy to read Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Where it's easy to read it as this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, period. And we're like, whoa! Because we read it, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for six-digit uh, income. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that perfect person. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for a bigger house. Now, I do want to pause and say there was nothing wrong with an increase in your income. There was nothing wrong with you finding that perfect person. If you're married, I'm talking about your spouse, okay? There's nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah, okay. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have something better. Like that is not, I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with that. But what I am saying, there is something wrong if I begin to hunger and thirst for those things and neglect the right things. Because here's what I've discovered. Though the income is great, those things will fade away. Though that person is perfect now, they get old. <laughs> Though that per and not saying if you're old, you're not perfect. Okay, just I don't want any emails. Y'all like sending me emails. I don't read them. But <laughs> blessed are those like gosh, I get so distracted. Y'all are amazing. What was I saying? Help me out. Hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who, blessed are those, okay, focus, focus, focus. Righteousness. Like these things are not inherently bad. But what I've discovered is that these things, they fill you up for a second. They fill you up for a minute. You might even get a day full out of it. You might even get a few years out of it. But eventually, those things will never sustain you because they were never meant to be everlasting fuel. Yeah. 
They're like Chinese food. You eat it in an hour, you hungry again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so, so Jesus, like, it, it's more than us just hungering and thirst. Like, we got to learn to hunger and thirst for the right things. And Jesus, he proposes this idea. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we could have the keys come up because that's how, that's how almost done I am, y'all. Hey, I'll drink to that. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, here's what's interesting. As Jesus is, is sharing this with the crowd, and he's like, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It, it is more than likely that the audience that was sitting there listening to Jesus, when he said righteousness, they automatically began to think about the Pharisees. They automatically began to think about the religious leaders because they associated righteousness with religiousness. And so, so when Jesus like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for righteousness, they would have been like, oh yeah, righteousness. You're talking about like going down to the temp temple and, and sacrificing animals. Righteousness. You're talking about, about flexing what I have. Righteousness. See, they got it wrong because righteousness and religiousness are two separate different things. See, I could spend my entire life being religious and completely miss the mark of being righteous. I could spend my entire life making sure my attendance at church is right, is 100%. 51, 52 Sundays a year. I, I can work as hard as just trying to make sure that I never miss my, my Bible reading plan on my version app. I can, I, can, I can do all these things and yet never fully surrender my heart. Friends, my, my desire this morning is that, that you would hunger and thirst not for religious activities, but for righteousness that will sustain you, that will keep you going. Do you know what righteousness is? It's being made right standing. In this context, being made in right standing with God. So God is righteous and what he's done with Jesus by sending Jesus here, dying on the cross, and us saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Guess what? I've now embraced the righteousness of Jesus. And so now God doesn't see me with my sin. He doesn't see all my mess ups. He doesn't see how jacked up I am. And trust me, I am messed up. I am jacked up. I need Jesus. He doesn't see that. But he, says, he sees the righteousness 
of Christ over my life. And it's this righteousness as I hunger and thirst for righteousness, as I hunger and thirst for Jesus, his promises that I will be filled. I will be full. See, I wonder this morning if there's anyone in here and like you've tried everything. You've tried the drugs. You've tried the hookups. You've tried the alcohol. You've you, you tried everything. And it, it's cool. It fills you up. But it leaves you empty. I wonder if that's because possibly, potentially, listen, I don't know, but could it be because you're hunger, hungering and thirsting for the wrong things? Is it possible that the very thing that will sustain you and fulfill you is the very thing that you've been pushing away? And yet you find yourself here this morning at church because someone said they'll take you out to lunch if you come visit me at church. And you find yourself here this morning. You don't even know why you're here. And yet you're realizing, man, there's an emptiness inside of me. I got great news. Jesus wants to fill you this morning. He wants to crave your emptiness. 